Starting and sustaining a business is hard. Whether you're just beginning or have been at it for a while and need a pick-me-up, you're about to get exactly what you need. Welcome to Go For It. Your host is Joe Hausman. Today, you'll hear stories from others on how to keep going and laugh while you learn. Here is your host, Joe Hausman. Hello and welcome to Go For It. This is Joe. Thank you so much for coming back every day, every week, every month, and every year to Go For It. I am so excited for all of you to listen to the show and take away such great information from this show. That's why I love bringing on wonderful guest experts so you guys get the information that you need to help you grow, even start, and sustain a business. And you know what? Sometimes even life. Life happens to all of us. doesn't matter if you're running a business or not. But it's really about what this show is all about, about you helping you go for it. And remember that this show now is sponsored by Today with Neil Gordon and his website, neilcanhelp.com. I'm really excited to bring him on today as a wonderful guest expert. He is going to be helping us a lot. And before I get to his information, always remember that I always want you to reach your full potential, becoming bigger, better, bolder, and stronger with each and every day. Go For It Media Group helps you with that, but also I'm an inspirational speaker and an online business strategist. So my website is joehosman.com. Now, I'm excited to bring on Neil Gordon. Honestly, ladies and gentlemen, he is waiting patiently to come on the show. That's kind of what happens when... Um, you get booked out for a few weeks in advance. But Neil, I am so excited because I'm a speaker as well as you know, and he is going to give us such great information today. I just cannot wait to hear it. But first of all, let's learn a little bit more about Neil. He helps public speakers, aka me and lots of other people that I know, to create such electrifying content that people swarm them with opportunities after they speak. Who doesn't want that as a speaker? Though he only earned a 330, 330 verbal score the first time he took the SATs, he went on to be the editorial staff of Penguin Random House, where he worked with New York Times bestselling authors. He has ghostwritten or collaborated on books published by Penguin Random House, HarperCollins, and Hay House. And he's been featured in Inc. as well as the Irish Times. Neil Gordon, welcome to Go For It. Thank you very much for having me today, Joe. Happy to be here. I am so excited. And I noticed, because I always do a Facebook Live before my show, and I've noticed somebody already commented that they need to hire you for when they write their next book. So I think that's fantastic, Neil. Oh, that's lovely to hear. Yes, very lovely. So tell us, Neil, a little bit about how you got to be where you're at today. And most people go, well, that would take forever (laughs) to talk about, but just, you know, synopsis up in like five or so minutes, but really where you got to be at today and how you got to be, how you help speakers and help uh, authors get to be where they're at. Of course, yeah, and I will do my best to keep it as concise as possible because as we all know, Joe, our lives have been many years of moments and uh-huh. it down isn't necessarily a fluid experience. Mm-hmm. Basically, I was a pretty precocious little kid Growing up, and I was the little smart aleck who, when someone, when the teacher asked in first grade, who can name a vegetable, and some little girl said a tomato, and I was like, no, actually, tomatoes have seeds, and that means that they're technically a fruit, or mm-hmm. the six-year-old equivalent of that. Basically, that was, that was me. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, kids would have been very annoyed with me in first grade, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, so 
what happened though is that when I was in second grade, my dad likes to tell the story that when I got my first book report, I started to suddenly hate reading as soon as reading became work and it wasn't just for leisure anymore. And I didn't read anything except for I finished one novel between the ages of eight and 20. Mm. And so my brain basically turned to mush. And like mm-hmm. in my bio, I got a 330 the first time I took the SATs, mm-hmm. 330 verbal score. And I didn't read anything for college. I still skirted by with a 3.5 GPA. And I graduated with, I, I was just completely disengaged from everything. And I moved to New York City. And I was so overwhelmed by how busy and crowded and dirty everything was, especially the subway, that I just needed an escape. And I found reading as a way to, to engage myself in a way that wasn't taking in the smelly homeless man a few seats down from me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so what happened was I started to have a transformative experience reading one novel in particular. It was A Prayer for and Meaning by John Irving. And that novel just challenged my assumptions about life because things don't really work out for the main character in the end. And I had this Hollywood sense that everything would work out. And this novel just challenged that notion. Mm -hmm. And so I went into this really angsty, what's it all mean kind of 20 something thing. And I came out of it really needing to analyze the written word and figure out how it had such a huge impact on me. And I spent a couple of years doing that, reading everything I could find by John Irving in particular. And that got me an editorial position at Dutton, the division of Penguin. And this was before Penguin Random House had merged, obviously. Mm -hmm. And that was the start of my building my skills that led to me being a ghostwriter and led to me helping speakers and led to everything else. It was just this, what, how could the written word, how could language in general be so powerful? And I was just, gifted with enough curiosity to figure it out. You know, I think that's it. The curiosity. The curiosity is what you're, you're right. Exactly. You're gifted with that curiosity because you wanted to figure it out. And if you weren't gifted with that, you, you know, you would have went down another path. So I thank you for saying that because that really is a gift. And a lot of times people don't realize the gifts that they do have and that they can utilize. Right. Especially when challenged with, something so fundamental and existential as what I went through. I could have just numbed myself with alcohol or drugs or something like that and, mm-hmm. and not really leaned into the experience in that way. And so I was only 22 at the time. I'm incredibly grateful that that's how I happened to respond. Yes, absolutely. Especially moving to New York City and like you said, you know, the busyness of it and everything else that goes along with New York City. So Thank you for that. Well, and you know what? I know there's a lot of people that are thankful that you went down the road that you did because it sounds like you help a lot of people with your business. No, I appreciate that. And I'd I'd like to think that they're grateful as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, you can tell that they are. Like I said, the one person that already responded, I know um, you'll be getting probably a new client because I know she's really in the thralls of wanting to write a book. So let's talk really about, about what you do and how you can help, how you help your clients now, because not only do you help speakers, which I'm really excited to hear, but you also help authors and other mm. leaders. So talk to us a little bit about that. Sure. So 
what, let's, let's look at it through the lens of speaking in particular. I know that that's something that is very top of mind for you. Mm-hmm. What, what so many, what speakers are essentially doing, you mentioned you're an inspirational speaker, and then there are other kinds of speakers as well. What all speakers have in common, though, is the goal of successfully influencing people from the stage. Mm-hmm. And what that looks like is they'll say something for 20, 30, 45 minutes, however long it is, and what they want is to be so influential that people are running up to them with their business cards afterwards and wanting to connect or buying their book at the back of the room or opting into something for their lead magnets and so that the speaker can build their list and build their audience and the whole thing. And so they're, they're, all of these goals are going to inform the decisions that a speaker makes with the content when they figure out what they're going to say from the stage. Mm-hmm. However, the, there's a false assumption that most speakers make, and frankly, every client who's ever come to me has made this, this assumption, that the way to build influence, the way to have an impact, the way to build value for your audience is to provide as much good information as possible. Mm-hmm. That's what people think they're supposed to be doing when they get up there. People talk about knowing people will want more from you when they know, like, and trust you. And we've all heard that, right? Mm-hmm. And the thing that people think that, the thing that speakers believe is going to get the audience to know, like, and trust them is this information. But the problem with that, Joe, is that this is the information age. We have more information than we need to be getting on with. There's so much of it out there. There's so many different rabbit holes we can go down with information. Most of it's free because of the internet. And so the, the, the problem with this thinking is that if we go about putting together a speech, for example, with wanting to put in as much good information as we can, we're going to actually run the risk of overwhelming our audience. We're going to lead them into this sense of, We've heard the analogy of drinking through the fire hose mm-hmm. or even getting so, enra- so wrapped up in our expertise that we're not actually thinking about the audience's experience and whether they're, they're actually absorbing the things that we are sharing with them. So this is ultimately the false assumption we make that information is the key to all of this. And I have a quick story for you, if it's okay. Yes, to, to absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So I have one, this is one of my favorite stories. I was volunteering for a time at the children's hospital here in where I live in Los Angeles. And I was volunteering for a program that gifted books to the children staying at the hospital. And there are also bedside readers and other things like that. And all about literacy and the, the value of that as it relates to a child's experience in the hospital. And the founder of the program would often speak to groups of people who came to visit the hospital, employees of sponsoring companies and things like that. And she usually dreaded it because mm. she would be talking and they would just kind of glaze over and they'd just politely clap at the end. And she's this delightful British woman. She's like, it's like I'm boring the pants off of them every time I speak. <laughs> and so it was, it, was just like, it was kind of heartbreaking to see that she had this wonderful program that impacted so many kids and their families. And yet people were just glazed over. And so understandably, I came into the hospital one morning and she was dreading this talk 
that she was going to be giving. It was a 10-minute talk, again, in front of a group of employees at a sponsoring hospital. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, hey, would you like me to help you to work out what to say? And she said yes. And so we had a conversation and talked about what she was going to say. She went off and she gave her talk. And I saw her later that afternoon. I asked her how it went. And she said that people were held wrapped at attention from the moment she started speaking. You could hear the pin drop. And by the end, they weren't just glazed over and politely clapping at the end. They rushed up to her with their business cards. And one of them even invited her to apply for a grant. Oh, wow. And yeah. And the best part is, is that that conversation took two minutes. Conversation between her and I, two minutes. Uh And we completely transformed her presence as a speaker. Okay. Wow. And so obviously, yeah, I know. It's a very powerful story. I'm sure you can understand why it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And so there are obviously, there are things we can get into for your listeners. Like we can get into some techniques and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there's a more fundamental thing at play here that is a response to the question of if it's not information, then what is it? And the thing that changed everything and the, the, the way that we structured her talk, the specific techniques I had her use are all in support of a larger idea that what she did that day in those 10 minutes that she spoke is that rather than just give them information, she made a series of choices with her content that convinced that audience that change was possible for the children and their families. Ah. And so they were empowered. They came up with their business cards and invited her to apply for a grant, not because of the things they now knew, but because of the things they now believed. That people are empowered, not because of that which they know is true, but rather that which they believe is possible. Ah, mm-hmm. I love that and saying. So the job of the, yeah, thank you. The job of the speaker is to convince their audience that change is possible. And that's what leads to all the other things. That's what makes them so influential. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. It and really so, is. Yeah. Yeah. And so that becomes the basis of what I do with all my people is help them to convince their audiences that change is possible. Obviously, there's a lot of power in it. So it's important that that change really is possible. We, we don't want snake oil salespeople here. Right? We don't want people to manipulate their audience into thinking that something's possible that actually isn't. Mm-hmm. And so obviously there are a lot of different things that we can do to ensure that this is a legitimate promise to them. Absolutely. I will tell you, it's almost a little embarrassing, but I was given a speech two days ago and it was to yeah. ladies that were older than me. Well, they're all retired, I would say 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking it was a little bit younger audience. So when I walked in, I thought, oh, I've got to like change my thinking and change my what, you know, a little bit Mm. about what I'm going to say. And I did. And at one point, I'm, I always kind of give seven tips. And so one of the tips was write down what you're grateful for. And one lady in the audience was nodding her, I mean, shaking her head. Nope, 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 nope. (laughs) And I kind of started laughing in a way, but I didn't. I said, now I realize sometimes that can be difficult or, you know, we don't want to do that, but it really is coming from the heart and whatever your heart speaks, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she just kept going, nope, nope, nope. Now I could have let that deter me 
And so what I had to do is I had to wrap it back around to that age group. So I ended, I ended my talk and I was there. I had kind of talked a little bit about my son in the thing because he helped me write the book. So immediately they said, they were asking me about my son and uh, that's always like the number one question I get after my talk. So I really started talking about my mom and my son and then I grabbed them. So it's almost like I grabbed them after the fact instead of ah. during the speech. Does that make sense? And yeah. I was yeah. like, I should have thought about it. And, and that was my own fault because I didn't really ask like who that I knew wasn't going to be a little bit older audience, but I thought they were still maybe working. But I mean, they were 70s mm-hmm. and 80s and those kind of things. So I really think also you need to know your audience before you go speak to them. <laughs> That's my own personal yeah. experience. But I really did grab them at the end. And then I, I did sell quite a few books at the end. But that wasn't really my goal. My goal was to really connect with them on a deeper level. Now, we do only have two minutes until break time, so I wanted to put that out there. But does that happen a lot? Does that, when people, if they don't do their homework, honestly, this is my own fault because I did not do my own homework before that speech. But I connected with them afterwards. And actually, two or three of the ladies really wanted to talk to me after the talk because Mm -hmm. they wanted to connect with me even more. Yeah, and it's it's a good question, Joe, because on the one hand, you have some speakers who've been giving the exact same speech for like 20 years, and there's no adaptation and all of that, and so a case could be made that they're never doing their homework in that way, because they're mm-hmm. just showing up and giving the speech, and so it it's obviously not the best answer. It's going to be fairly case-by-case case in that regard. Right. However, depending on your messaging and whatnot, what we can generally assume is that there are going to be opportunities to, if you ask a few key questions around what your particular audience's experiences are and what their struggles are and whatnot, a little bit of light adaptation to make sure that you're speaking to them mm-hmm. and the things that they care about. Even if most of your talk is pretty much the same, you can adapt certain parts, and we can get into that after the break, of course, about yes. what kind of things that you can ultimately do in that regard. Absolutely. We'll do that, too. We'll get we'll get to that after we come back from break. And ladies and gentlemen, for more information, you can go to Neil's website. It's www.neilcanhelp.com. Or if you have questions for this live show, you know the number. It's one 866 Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I've got a special offer just for listeners of Go For It. Visit joehosman.com today and get a 20% discount off of my most popular three-month media package. This is an $800 value. My Go For It Media Group helps you expand your brand utilizing media. Finding your media outlets to promote your business, including my Go For It radio show. Check out joehosman.com, where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my best selling book, coaching, and training programs, support for the radio show, and much more. Don't wait. Check out joehosman.com today for this special offer. 
If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my Women Empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, johosman.com, or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, that's johosman.com or 605-941-7969. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to go for it to reach joe hausman with a comment or question about the show please send an email to joe at joehausman.com that's j-o at joehausman.com now back to go for it welcome back welcome back to go for it this is joe with my wonderful guest neil gordon I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I am learning so much because I just kind of gave, well, I didn't kind of give, I gave my example of what I probably shouldn't have done at a speech this last week. But let's talk about, Neil, let's talk about the beginning of our speeches and how that should really relate to the audience or how do you help your clients with that? Okay, great. Thank you, Joe. So the the story I just told about my my friend at the, at the hospital, one of the things I mentioned is that everyone was like held captivated from the moment she started speaking. Yeah. That's phenomenal. So yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's really quite a simple adjustment to what most people tend to do when they speak. When people get up there, what they often do is if they're introduced by somebody like an MC or something like that, they say, Oh, thank you so much. And isn't so-and-so great. And they're, Oh, it's so happy. I'm so happy to be here. And it's great to see all of you and all of that. They visit and they kind of ingratiate themselves to the audience. They're being polite. They're being kind and all of that. And that seems like it would make sense because they want the audience to like them. They want us to, everyone to feel like they're all part of something. But what I had her do that day is different. She was introduced by somebody and then she got up there and she waited half a beat. And before anything else, she just started telling a story. Mm. She held them for a moment. And in that moment, there was this tension. It's like, what's going to happen in this talk? It's like the start of a race. Right before the gun goes off, the runners are all there on your mark, get set. And right before get set and go, there's all this tension. Like, oh, what's going to happen? And then they're off. And then there's running. Unless there's like a really intense photo finish, there's not going to probably be as much tension at any other point in the race. And so I had her just start the story after waiting half a beat, just waiting a moment, looking at the audience for a second, and then just telling the story of a child who was at the hospital. And this is why people were so captivated from the moment she started, because there was this tension. And rather than squander that tension with politeness, oh, it's so nice to be here. She just started. And that's why everybody was paying such close attention. And she had them. Mm -hmm. And it was only a 10 minute talk, so she didn't have to work too hard to keep them. But even in a longer talk, 
you get started with that right away, and all of a sudden people are there. It's like, oh, I better pay attention. She's already starting. Mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is the thing. And so when looking back at the bigger idea that people are going to be more empowered because they believe change is possible, they're not going to actually believe anything's possible if they're not paying attention, mm-hmm. if they're not glazed over, if they are glazed over, excuse me. And so you start them, you start really strong. And then that leads you into the next area, which actually relates back to what we were just talking about before the break around adapting and whatnot. But does that all make sense? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I love this. Yeah. Because it's so easy to say, thank you. Thank you, whoever brought you on. Thank you, Michelle, for having me here today. Thank you, Chamber of Commerce, whoever the case may be. It's so easy because you're right. You want them to like you. You want them to know that you're appreciative for being there. But so, okay, so I have a question. If she came on and told her story right away, then once her story was done, did she come back on then and say, thank you, I'm glad to be here? Or did she just go on with the rest of her speech? Now, a 10-minute speech isn't, you know, real long, but. Right. Yeah, it's a really good question. And in that case, she didn't. Okay. But in some cases, there might be, depending on the situation, it might be good to to take a step back and acknowledge being there with them and all of that. And it's, it's hard to say, honestly, Joe, without knowing a little more about any given situation, whether that would be a good idea. But mm-hmm. my general rule of thumb is once you have them, you really don't need to be as concerned about politeness. I mean, no. I, I, I spoke myself at a conference not too long ago. It was a nonprofit conference helping nonprofit leaders to impact their messaging and whatnot. And they wanted me to start the entire talk with learning objectives. Like the first slide was, here are the things we're going to learn today. Oh. And I did it because they told me to, but I actually mm-hmm. really wanted to, I, I made some light changes to the format because I just don't agree with that practice as a whole. Mm-hmm. Because by laying everything out, Again, you think you're doing the right thing by preparing your audience for what's coming, but you're reaching them purely on an intellectual level. Mm -hmm. And the point of starting a story that way is to reach them initially on an emotional level. Oh. And Mm -hmm. when you told your story about when you changed gears and told the story and that's when you grabbed them, Mm -hmm. the idea is once you grab them, and if, if you can grab them at the very beginning, that's ideal because... That's going to be, again, like I said, where the most tension is and the greatest opportunity to. But the other benefit is once you grab them, you don't have to worry nearly as much, if at all, about justifying things or being polite or anything like that. Because then they're there and they're with you and they're invested in what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important thing. That is really good to know because just next week I'm speaking to a group of 400 And I just wrote out my speech and the very first thing was, thank you. You know, so I'm definitely going to be removing that and starting Mm -hmm. with the story instead. So I, I thank you for that because I've always done it. I've always said, thank you, you know, because again, I always want to be polite. I've spoken not, you know, know, lots of times, but I've always Mm -hmm. done that. But now, now that you say that, I think back to other speakers, I'm like, 
Yeah, I've actually listened to some that have actually stopped for 30 seconds or so and then started with their story. And that is more captivating and you're like, I want more. I want to know more about what they're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Although I do imagine 30 seconds, would I wouldn't recommend that long oh, for, okay. for, for a pause. I would say probably... I mean, there's no hard and fast. I like to say, Joe, that the only hard and fast rule of communication is that there are no hard and fast rules. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. said, a general sum is, I would say, maybe five seconds. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You take, you take a specific place on stage and you look at them maybe for five seconds. Let's see. One. Yeah, I'd say that's a good rule of thumb. Maybe a little longer if you'd like. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be too long. Because then it'll start to look like you don't know what you're about to say, that you've forgotten the words. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> it does. So when somebody's up speaking, is it good to have their notes with them, or is it better if they just speak from the heart? I would say, and that's, that's another good question, Joe. It's, again, not a, not a hard and fast thing, but I would say that if you really what what we don't want is that you're so nervous and so likely to freeze that you don't even get through the speech and that if having a few cards or if having a really light outline of what to say and you have it over on the, the lectern of the podium on the side there and every once in a while you might go back and, and take a moment, if that's going to help to ground you and help you to feel more present to your audience then I would say go for that. Mm-hmm. If you can go up there and know that you, you've got this and you don't really need notes and it's not necessarily you're going to have to do everything in your speech to the letter, but you can just adapt and just kind of go with it and all of that. And maybe things are out in a slightly different order or whatever, but it's not going to daunt you and you're not going to freeze up. Then I would say that an imperfect, an imperfect speech from the heart is probably a, a good thing to aspire to. It's, it's a good thing. It's a good, good goal to set for yourself. Mm-hmm. I definitely wouldn't just sit there and read your speech for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would definitely recommend that you give an imperfect speech from the heart rather than a to the letter speech from a piece of paper. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel the same way. I always give, uh, I like to kind of walk back and forth when I'm speaking. I do not like to stand behind the lectern because it is, I'm just mm-hmm. speaking from the heart. Is that okay? Or it is, are you better off just standing still? There are a number of different schools of thought on this. My attitude is that if you don't have a deliberate action to take, if you don't have a reason to move to another part of the stage, then I would say that it's better to stand still. I tend to stand still myself unless I have a specific thing to do. Now, I also get very goofy. You heard my ridiculous British accent Mm -hmm. earlier. I Mm -hmm. get really goofy on stage and I'll jump around and do things, but it's all very deliberate and very much part of what points I'm making to my audience. Mm -hmm. And so otherwise I tend to stay still just because I like deliberate action myself. I like that when I went to a conference in New York back in May, one of the main speakers of the event 
paced back and forth the entire time. And I started to get uncomfortable at one point as an audience member because it was just a lot of nervous energy and it was distracting me from what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And so it's, again, if you move around a bit, it's, I, I don't want your listeners to feel they need to lock themselves down and they can't move because that Neil guy said only move when you have a reason to. <laughs> right. It's, it's, more that, it's more that if you really are, have, if you are moving all over the place with a bit of nervous energy, I would either A, just work on the, di- the discipline to not do that, but perhaps a more interesting choice, if you have that much nervous energy, that you might start to make some creative decisions that utilize that energy more so uh-huh. that you're more aligned with where you're at. I mean, that gets mm-hmm. into pretty ninja-level stuff, but mm-hmm. that would be my wish for your listeners is that they don't just squander or squelch all of this nervous energy, but they somehow find an interesting and relevant way to use it. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. I love that. That's, that's perfect. I don't, I don't, and I should probably differentiate. I don't walk back and forth all the time. So I tell my story. Mm. I might, you know, like come over here and, you know, cause I'm always alter, al- alternating my voice levels mm-hmm. to keep the mm. audience more yeah. engaged as well. That local variety, of course. Yes, absolutely. Because if you're monotone, that's where you're going to lose them too, is this that monotone voice. Okay, so one more question because I'm intrigued. PowerPoint, yeah. yes or no? That's a very good question. I feel that a lot of the times a PowerPoint presentation is a good way to keep yourself on track as a speaker. It's a good way to to work out what it is that you're going to share with your audience at any given point. However, and this is a big however, most speakers make a critical error in their PowerPoint slide decks Mm -hmm. in that they put a bunch of stuff on on their slides, like maybe five or six bullet points or a whole bunch of information. And then they keep talking while all this information is up on the slide. And the reason why this is a huge problem is that all of a sudden, each and every audience member is uncertain should they be looking at the slides and all the content on it or should they be listening to the speaker. And a speaker does not want to ever have uncertainty in their audience's experience. Mm -hmm. What they want is for the speaker what they want is for their audience to always know where to look and what to listen to. Mm-hmm. And so people are really down on text on slides, and that's not the problem. There's actually a number of really funny TED Talks by a comedian, a British comedian named James Veach. And James does almost entirely text-driven slideshow presentations as part of his comedy routine. And, but what he does that's different from almost everyone else is that he doesn't just put all of the text on the slide at the same time. He animates one small bit of the text at a time. And so he's talking and then he animates the next part. And even though the audience is going back and forth, they know that they're listening to him at one point and then they're looking at the slide at one point and then they're back to him and then they're back to the slide. So if you are going to use a slide deck, what I absolutely recommend is that you don't just 
give them a whole bunch of content on the slide decks, and you don't even give them these weird abstract pictures that don't mean anything. And I can get into that more, but the picture, like people send like these kind of like metaphorical, jokey kind of pictures and all of that, and instead of just here's what we're talking, here's a picture of a person I'm talking about, or here's a, a graph of the statistics that we're talking about, or whatever it is. They mm-hmm. create these abstract pictures like it's really hard on like climbing through all of these goals and they put a rock climber on it. Anyway, I don't want to get too into the weeds in that thing. But what all of this comes down to, Joe, is that the slides are a tool for curating your audience's experience at any given moment. Okay. I'm talking and now I want you to look at this one thing on the slide. Now I'm talking again and now look at this thing but never give them a reason to be staring at the slide instead of listening to you. Gotcha. I will tell you of all the times I've done speeches, I've never had a PowerPoint until this last time, not this week, but I spoke here a couple of weeks ago. They, Mm. for the speakers that were coming, they made us have slides. And Mm. I was like, okay. It was a five minute speech, but it had to be 20 slides. Oh, right. Yes. I know of this. Yes. Yes. And all of a sudden, I'm like, but, and it wasn't her fault, but she didn't keep up with my speech with the slides. Mm. <laughs> and it was, it went fine. It, the, the speech was fine. And I had a lot of great compliments about it. But so I had to, thankfully, I knew I had practiced well enough that I knew what I was talking about. But again, mm. that's the first time I'd ever used slides before. So that's why I was wondering if wow. you actually, you know, utilize them, what you think about them. And, but I, you're right. The slides are a tool for curating, but you don't want people to be too fixated on them. I love that when you said that. But ladies and gentlemen, we only have like yeah. 30 seconds until break. So uh, sorry about that, Neil. I wasn't paying attention to the time ta- time uh, time thing. But for more information on Neil, ladies and gentlemen, neilcanhelp.com is his website. But also, we're going to have a lot more information when we come back after break because Neil has still a lot of information. Trust me, I could talk to Neil for hours because of all the great information he is giving us. So ladies and gentlemen, when we come back after break, we're going to get a lot more information from Neil. And if you have questions for the show, give us a call at one 866 472-5790. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back after break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are looking for a dynamic speaker for your organization or event, I would love to speak at your venue. Hi, I'm Joe Hosman, the host of Go For It on Voice America. My topics range from starting your own virtual assistant business to living a triumphant life. Right now, one of my most popular topics is from my Women Empowerment series about support for today's women-built businesses and women in leadership. Visit my website, joehosman.com, or call 605-941-7969 for more information. Again, that's joehosman.com or 605-941-7969. I've got a special offer just for listeners of Go For It. Visit joehosman.com today and get a 20% discount off of my most popular three-month media package. This is an $800 value. My Go For It media group helps you expand your brand utilizing media. 
finding your media outlets to promote your business, including my Go For It radio show. Check out joehosman.com where you can also get information about other services like strategy sessions, my best-selling book, coaching, and training programs, support for the radio show, and much more. Don't wait. Check out joehosman.com today for this special offer. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Go For It. To reach Joe Hausman with a comment or question about the show, please send an email to joe at joehausman.com. That's J-O at joehausman.com. Now back to Go For It. Welcome back to Go For It. This is Joe with my phenomenal guest, Neil Gordon, and his website is neilcanhelp.com. And is he ever helping us today? Oh, my goodness. I know there's so many speakers listening and also people that want to write books and also have already been authors, maybe they want to write some more. But we're really talking about speaking today because we're going to get into how we adapt. We talked about this in the first segment, but how do we adapt to our audience? And Neil, I know you're going to help us through all that. So how do we adapt to our audience? Okay, great question. And to speak back to what you were talking about a little while ago around showing up and with the the audience who was a bit older than you thought they were going to be. Mm -hmm. And... What it reminds me of is how, how complicated people often seem to think it is to get an audience on board with what it is they're there to share and all of that. And if there are tips or if there's information or whatever it is, that whatever expertise you're there to share, that people think that it's a fairly complicated thing, that people are complicated. And the truth, Joe, is that we're not complicated. There's a very particular thing that people are hungry for. And the good news is we have a a very simple tip, a very simple idea as to how to adapt content to any given audience and how to, how to ensure that they're with you for as much of the speech as possible. And so what people do when they wake up in the morning, do they think about the solutions that, we as speakers have for them? Do they wake up in the morning as they trudge from their bed to the bathroom to wash their face and do their thing? Are they thinking about, oh, I hope I get seven tips today, or I hope I get this, or I hope I really get a really interesting solution for this? I I don't, my guess is no, and I'm guessing most people would agree with me there. Mm -hmm. Um, And what they're actually thinking about are the problems that they're facing in their day. They're facing either something going on with one of their kids or is their job secure or do they have something they have to get to their boss that day or is there a whole bunch of chores that they have to get through or they have to deal with their in-laws or whatever it is. They're dealing with life. What they're dealing with are the problems that they care about solving that day. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so when it comes to adapting speech people are most likely to embrace a solution, the solutions that we have for them, when they're presented within the context of a problem they care about solving. And so the job of the speaker 
when it comes to adapting or otherwise setting up the early part of the speech, maybe after they've told the story like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. is to frame the problem that you're there to help them to solve, but in a way that they actually relate to and care about. And so with regards to, you mentioned talking, telling your story toward the end of that speech when you had the woman who was sitting there going, nope, nope, nope. Mm-hmm. If you had first framed everything in the context of the problems that that woman cared about solving herself from her perspective, then she would be much more likely to buy in because she believes that you understand her world and understand what she wants and she's going to be more likely to want to get that because you framed it in the way that she relates to. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely makes sense. And that also, do you consider that also knowing your audience or doing your homework on your audience before you go speak with them? Or because yeah. I'll be honest with you, I was a I was a last minute. Somebody bowed out. Yeah, and they asked me to come in last minute. So. And it still was a fantastic speech, and like I said, still had a lot of great people come up and talk to me afterwards. Except of course, for, of course, you know, you you kind of focus on the one that doesn't. But how, um, yeah, how does all that relate? Yeah, and it it, it really, I mean, the last minute thing, you, you do what you can, and maybe it's not so much a matter of an intake process at that point because you just show up as like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But when you might basically do, whether you're asking the person who ha- invites you to speak or you're just doing a quick once-over to your audience when you see who they are, what you can do is ask a couple of very simple questions. As in, what is it that's causing these people pain that my stuff is going to help them to solve? Oh, okay. And so... If you were asked, if you were invited at the last minute and you had five minutes to talk to them before you actually showed up in the room that day, then you could ask, all right, so who, who are these people? How old are they? Where are they at in life? Like, oh, okay, well, they're all retired. And a lot of them are living in nursing homes. A lot of them are living here and all of that. And so you think about, all right, what is that? Final, the, the, the latter two-thirds or three-quarters of my speech, what am I talking about? Okay, how do I connect that to their issue? And so the, the gratitude work, let's say the entire speech was on gratitude because that was the example you gave, mm-hmm. and the power of gratitude, you might be thinking, you could think to them about them. It's like, okay, they're probably not feeling a lot of gratitude. So maybe I'll visit with them a little bit on how challenging it can feel to be at this later stage of life and not really know what to do with yourself or not really feel connected to your family like you once were or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you can talk about that and then engineer your stuff to say, here's how you can find greater peace in that and Mm -hmm. and enjoy what you have more sort of thing. This is Mm -hmm. off the cuff, obviously, but that's an example of how you could then think about the problems they have and then somehow adapt it to to your work but it's mm-hmm. through the problems that they care about solving. You know, that's a great thing to, re- you know, remind all of us speakers about how can we help solve, you know, the audience's problems. I love that. And even when you're catering, you know, you're writing out your speech, how am I going to solve that problem? How am I going to help them, you know, when I'm going speaking? So thank you for that. That That's powerful, ladies and gentlemen. That is very powerful. And even when you're listening to a speaker, 
think, how, could, how is the speaker helping me? And how is, you know, what, what are they saying that, you know, goes right to my heart or what I need help on? So that is powerful. And I love that. And thank you so much for that. Because mm. there's a lot, of, a lot of speakers that they just, like you said, they get up and speak and they say one story and that's, that's it. They don't really say anything else. But this group I'm going to be speaking to this next week in front of 400, she said, give them something they can walk away with. Because mm-hmm. this group... There's a lot of stuff going on with this group that I'm going to be speaking to. And I said, absolutely. This is my tribe. You know, Mm -hmm. these are the people that I can talk to. And I'm actually Mm -hmm. so excited. I'm excited to talk to any group I talk to. I really am. I'm really excited. But I love that when you say that, just how can I help? How can I help this, this group? So thank you for that. Now, let's talk about, or did you have more to speak on that? Because I also want to get to your silver bullet because... On Neil's website, he talks mm. about the silver bullet. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited about that. So you go ahead. You talk about if you if you got more on the adaptation or if you want to talk about the silver bullet, I'm all ears. So this is actually a perfect place. This is a perfect place to talk about the silver bullet because you just said right just now what the person inviting you to speak wants for the audience is something that they can take away, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And what most people do is that they just think that the only thing that an audience would ever take away from a speech is a tip, right? And even, even our conversation today, there are specific tips, like just starting right away with a story, and here's a question that you can ask. What is the, what, who are they? What do they care about? And what problems they... So there are tips. I'm not saying the tips are bad or anything like that. But there's a greater opportunity to more predictably give the audience the aha moment when all of a sudden the light bulbs are going off and it's like, oh, wow, I get that. And they're starting to think about things. And it was an ingredient that was actually the reason why I was able to help that client at the, at the hospital mm-hmm. to adapt the speech in only two minutes. And that was because we worked out what you just introduced as this silver bullet concept. And a silver bullet is basically a one-sentence recipe Mm. that completely captures the entirety of your work or the idea or something like that. And you can say it concisely in a sentence. Mm -hmm. And so what she said a little bit into that 10-minute speech she gave that day is the words, literacy can heal. She just very simply said, the reason for all of this program is that literacy can heal. And so someone in that audience might not even care about the hospital or whatever, and they're just there because their boss told them to. Hopefully that wasn't true. Mm-hmm. But they could, she could hear my client say that, literacy can heal, and they could start thinking about ideas of how literacy could help heal her own child who's just bouncing off the walls every night. And like, oh, I should start reading and all of that and start forming ideas. She's having an aha moment. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is the silver bullet empowers the audience without any other context. Mm. And so when I said earlier, people are empowered, not by that which they know is true, but rather that which they know is possible, mm-hmm. that was a silver bullet. And you even said, oh, I, I really like that se- sentence or that I statement. do. And, yeah. it's, and, and it's because in that one sentence, like, oh, I need to start making different decisions with my speech. I need to start giving, focusing less on knowledge and more on empowering them to believe that change is possible. Mm-hmm. And so all of these different tips I've been giving have been anchored by these kind of silver bullet statements that really help a person when they're at the end of the speech, they get this takeaway that it's not just a tip, they're getting the underlying secret sauce 
that they can start experimenting with on their own, whether they work with the speaker or not. And that's what convinces them that change is possible, that they suddenly are having their own ideas. Oh, I can do this and I can do that and I can do that. And that kind of aha moment is truly what convinces people that change is possible, leads to the business cards at the end, and to the point about you with the 400 people next week is going to give them something they can really take away. Mm-hmm. Man, that's powerful. Yeah. <laughs> that that's really powerful, Neil. It really is. I I absolutely positively love that. And even how you said it, it just give them that aha moment. It's phenomenal. So we only have yeah. just a couple more minutes until the end of the show. So what I Neil, that that was just beautiful. <laughs> As a speaker, I'm just like, oh my goodness, <laughs> that is just fantastic. Um anyway, I wish we could keep talking, but Unfortunately, we have to end the show. So what I ask all my wonderful <laughs> guest experts is if there's, I don't know how we can, how you can um, say anything more, but if there's, if nobody else heard anything else during this show, please leave us with some last parting words. And also, I think you have a website you'd like them to go to. Sure. Yeah. In terms of parting words, what I would say is that a mistake would be to think that there's a tremendous amount of labor intensity in transforming one's speech. But the truth is, is just in a couple of hours, you could do some pretty significant work that in the spirit of just starting without, without visiting and thank you so much for being here and all that. Instead of that, there's actually a few key changes that you can make in order to have a rather transformative effect on your speech and really impact audiences in a significant way. And if people would like to take next steps to learn more about that, you can go to my website, neilcanhelp.com, but there's a specific video that you can opt in and check out at neilcanhelp.com forward slash silver bullets. And when you do that, you can go through a video. I'll revisit on things we talked about today, Joe, and you learn some other things some other examples of silver bullets and this will really help to move things forward. And you can always, of course, go deeper beyond that. Mm-hmm. Love that. So it's neilcanhelp.com forward slash silver bullet. And also if you go to neilcanhelp.com, there is a tab for silver bullet as well. So definitely go there. Definitely check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, phenomenal. And thank you so much, Neil. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for all the great information and the nuggets for me and the aha moments for me as well. And I know all the speakers that are listening today and that will continue to listen to the show. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for all you do for us speakers and for authors and everybody else. So again, ladies and gentlemen, that is www.neilcanhelp.com forward slash silver bullet. And ladies and gentlemen, I always want you to reach your full potential of becoming bigger, better, bolder and stronger with each and every day. You can also check out my website, johosman.com. For there, I have a free discovery strategy session as well. But always remember, you are stronger than what you give yourself credit for. So go out and be great today. Be great always. And always remember to go for it. But also, show some kindness and love wherever you go. Be a blessing to others. Have a great week. God bless. And we're going to see you here next week for another exciting show. Thank you for listening to Go For It. Be sure to come back next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Joe Hausman, on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great day and an even better week.